sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line, giving you the edge on sports grid. Dane and Kevin trying to put the fun and functional sports content. And, Kev, unfortunately, no fun is being had right now in college football. Um, you know, we talked yesterday about some of the big games that were being kind of canceled, postponed, removed, moved, what have you. We talked about stuff in the SEC. We knew about Alabama, LSU. We knew about uh, Texas A&M, right? So that's already, by the way, the number one and number five teams in the country, okay? We heard more cancellations or postponements, shall we say, uh, yesterday as COVID continues to ravage, especially in the SEC and in the Big Ten, Kev. Unfortunately, we also heard the Ohio State-Maryland game affecting the number three team in the country is now being... uh, canceled and remember we heard about this in the big 10 there are no makeup games they are not being played and we also heard that you have to have six games to qualify for your conference championship and this is now one buckeye game that is down there's other places down in the sec the georgia game is being canceled for the number 12 team in the country we got places like memphis versus navy being postponed we got air force wyoming being postponed it seems like uh it seems like this snowball is rolling downhill not in a good way kev Yeah, I I think it would be ideal if we separate the conversations from the Big Ten and the SEC right now. Yeah, Yeah. and I want to start with the Big Ten, with Ohio State specifically. This is something that you and I have been talking about a lot with the Big Ten and Ohio State specifically, okay? This team, by playing in the Big Ten, walks a very thin line. Any player test positive has to miss 21 days, no makeup games, and it's really not a spot where there's a lot of margin for error. I mean, think about this. Wisconsin's debut game, they look wonderful. I mean, mm-hmm. they beat down Illinois by a score of 45-7. to seven. They didn't give up an offensive touchdown. They didn't give up offensive points. It was a scoop and score that got right. Illinois that touchdown. I remember it well. I had the under. I'm upset about hmm. it still. But Wisconsin, we've not talked about this team in a long time. In fact, Dane, the only light in which we've brought up that program is that their college football playoff hopes are done that they don't have any more room to find themselves in the mix. We've certainly not crossed that bridge yet with Ohio State. If I am correct, this is more Maryland than Ohio State when it comes to these positives. But really, how many more games can this Ohio State team afford to miss, especially when you consider the way that the Big Ten's quality has dropped? Outside of this Indiana game, Look what remains for Ohio State, Illinois, Michigan State, Michigan. Reality is, none of those teams hold weight. Ohio State plays next week against Indiana, right? They get the job mm-hmm. done, Dane. They move to 4-0. They might as well just shut the season down, play in the Big Ten title game, see you on the other side. Because the rest of it, 
The rest of it all feels like unnecessary risk. The Big Ten walks this tightrope, and this is the first kind of light that'll shine on the Ohio State side of like, man, this can go south. Oh, it absolutely can, Kev, as we welcome in our radio audience from around the country and around the globe. Thanks for getting up very early with us here on the early line, Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. Remember, Kev, the Big Ten has also said you need to have six games to qualify for the Big Ten championship game. Right. Mm -hmm. And so this is all could be a factor of the schedule because it's not only you. Right. It's your opponents as well. You made the point that it's Maryland that has the outbreak, not necessarily Ohio State right now. Right. So who's to say you just reeled off a bunch of other uh, opponents for Ohio State. This is ravaging the upper Midwest, Kev. Wisconsin Mm -hmm. and Michigan, these are states that are spiking. You talk about Michigan and Michigan State still on their uh, schedule. This is, in essence, out of their control on some level. And because they have already put forth their policy, right, 21 days, canceled, not postponed, six games to qualify. I don't want to be doomsday and cancel culture necessarily, but we could Hmm. get to a place Right, Kev? We could get to a place where, like you're mentioning, just like Wisconsin becoming an afterthought, I don't know that Ohio State doesn't get to the finish line or doesn't become an afterthought, but then, Kev, does things like the one-loss Texas A&M, things like an undefeated Oregon, does that have Mm -hmm. more weight up against an Ohio State that only has – that's 5 0 Let's say, right, on some mm. level, the fact that, that, you know, we joked about it, right, Kev? The fact that BYU is already like 8-0, 9-0, whatever yeah. they are. I acknowledge, Kev, they are a different tier. I get it, right? But on some level, 9-0 and is better than 5-0, and right? Like, we've seen Wisconsin drop by being yes. idle. Texas A&M is going to be idle. Alabama is going to be idle. Ohio State's going to be idle, right? What happens when Cincy wins again by 35, right? Like, this is, on some but, level, you got to bump them up. But this is the thing with Ohio State, okay? Let's just say the season ended today. Ohio yeah. State does not have a more impressive resume than Cincinnati. Their right. third spot in the country comes with an assumption of results. Correct. But Cincinnati's domination over Memphis, Houston, big win against SMU, that is a lot more than Ohio State has done. So if we're just taking resumes as they stand, the Bearcats do belong in front of Ohio State. But if Ohio State can't add to what they've done so far, this becomes tricky. And it's going to be tricky in the SEC, in the Big Ten, probably everywhere, Kev. Mm Hmm? SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line, giving you the edge on SportsGrid. Dane and Kevin putting the fun in functional sports content. Kev, this has been our gripe for so long, okay? And you ask, which gripe are you talking about, Dane? We have a ton of them. The gripe I'm talking about specifically is why the polls start so early in the season, 
Okay. Mm. Um, the idea that the college football playoff will release their first rankings, you know, like five, six, seven for some teams, nine weeks into the season. I like that. You know why? Yeah. Because you get to see it on the field. The AP poll, however, and we've seen this, right? Oklahoma was up there at the top. Perception, right? Uh, Penn State up at the top. Michigan to a certain extent. Perception. In reality, I'll tell you damn well right now, Liberty is a better team than Michigan, right? But that's never going to be hmm. the case in the polls, uh, you know, out of the gate. And when we talk about a team like Ohio State, you just mentioned, right? We all believe in them, but they still, it's on them to deliver with the proof points, right? And unfortunately, I think that is now going to be a huge dumpster fire for college. Not only the fact, Kev, that, you know, COVID is everywhere and it does not seem like college campuses understand how to deal with this. It does not seem like the college student, you know, kind of uh, complies, shall we say. We are seeing this across the country, right? But when you overlay the fact that the SEC got started, some of these group of five teams already have games, but then in the Pac-12, they've got one. In the Big Ten, they've got like two or three. Now it even further complicates this idea of initial perceptions of teams and them being ranked as such with what we are actually seeing with some of these schools, right? Like Oklahoma State, for example. They rose because of what we saw on the field, right? Um, yeah. And some of these teams are not going to have that opportunity and are going to get the benefit of kind of like relying on the initial perception of the team, especially maybe Ohio State. Well, yeah, right. Again, if you ask me today to rank teams solely based on what they have done, Ohio done. State is not a top four team in the country. Yes. Right. They're not. Now, based on... The, the roster, the expectations, the pedigree, right. and Ohio State is where they belong. But potential is a, a dirty word sometimes, Kev. You know what right. I mean? The thing is, we've never had a season like this where you got BYU that's played five more games than Ohio State. So has Ohio State done enough? It's a question that you would answer Not with yet. no, being realistic. <laughs> but what Not about yet. the SEC, Dane? What about the SCC? Because here's the reality, okay? Yep. Bama's played six regular season games. That's how many games that Oregon is supposed to play. Ohio State now, if there are no more cancellations, will play seven regular yeah, season games. Okay? So, Max, I look at the SCC right now, okay? We have more games canceled than playing this week. Four canceled, three playing. And that's if there are no more cancellations. With at this point, there's simply no way you could rule that out. If you're the SEC, and Kev, here's the other thing you can't rule out. I'm sorry no. to interrupt. You can't rule no. out that the same damn thing isn't going to happen next week, right? Or even sure. more. You know, what yeah. I mean? the trend cannot be ignored anymore. People. No, no. But and that's actually why I'm bringing it up, right? There's no. I don't know what's going to lie ahead for the SEC. I ask you this though. If I told you that the only other SEC game on the schedule is Bama, Florida for the title, is that fair? No. 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 Uh, Texas A&M would certainly not feel like that's fair, right? Uh, when they have a win over Florida, uh, when they, you know, could just wait for it. Hopefully if Alabama drops some, you know, I don't think Georgia would think it's fair, hoping for Florida to fall. You know, I, no. 
it wouldn't be fair because it would only be fair in the universe. You know, Kev, when you say things like, oh, they're going to be favored to win their next four games, right? It's only fair yeah. if you then assume that they actually do win their next four games. Like, no, is my answer to your question, right? Yeah. I don't so, think it is. I think the tough thing with college football is if I were to list off the Steelers playing the five worst teams in football, you'd be like, all right, realistically, they'll probably drop one because it's the NFL. I list off Bama's games, and you're like, Bama's favored to go unbeaten each and every season, right? So that's where it's a little bit different. Right. My thing about fair, right? There is two sides of this coin. There's your AMs and your Georgias, and I probably would tell, hey, listen, AM, you played Bama, you lost. Georgia, you played Florida, you lost. You don't have as much of a gripe. I understand you, but you need those teams to lose two regular season games because you already lost the tiebreaker, and that's not going to happen. But I also ask a fair in this regard. If the SEC offers up, okay, here's Alabama. They're going to play seven total games. We've got to win over Florida in the SEC title game, win over Georgia, win over A&M. Is it fair relative to the rest of the college football landscape for right, that to be the final offering from the SEC. No. How would you feel, Kev, if Trevor Lawrence and the Clemson Tigers beat the Notre Dame Fighting Irish in the mm-hmm. ACC championship game, right? And Notre yeah. Dame is standing there with one loss, yet yeah. somehow, and you've you've done this kind of your perfect storm scenario, right? Sure. Florida beats Alabama. In this SEC championship game, which is like the only, you know, resume point left, right? Then how do you mm-hmm. feel as your one loss Notre Dame team went up? Florida gets ahead of them with a with far less games being played, right? And it winds up being a Clemson, Ohio State, Florida, Alabama. Notre Dame fans and others don't even get into my Cincy BYU who will have played 10 mm-hmm. games, right? You know, um, and I'm spitballing here, right? But say a 9-1 Notre Dame with their only loss being a Clemson in the ACC title game. What happens when Alabama, the loser of the SEC title game, but that is at like 5-1? and one, How do you make the case that 5-1 and one Bama should be in ahead of 9-1 and one Notre Dame or 10-0 and oh BYU? That's where it becomes tricky. And I know we're only talking about the playoff and the national championship game, but we've mm-hmm. got 37 bowl games potentially as well, sure. Kev. How do you figure out where the third place team in this conference goes and matches up with that if they're all, you know, 2-2? Two two? So... I will say I have been gearing up for this Notre Dame season to end in some heartbreak, and we don't land inside the top four. I, I am preparing. For right? That. How would it but feel I, if a four and one team is ahead of you? No, it would. It would obviously not be great. Now, in my opinion, they shouldn't jump Notre Dame. Is what it is. I'll say this. I though think it would be fair. Now, if the SEC says, listen, we played six regular season games and a conference champion, I mean, it's exactly what the Pac-12 is offering, without cancellations, mind you, right? I mean, how many games left does Wisconsin have on the schedule, realistically? You know, yeah. there, there's only, what, one, two, three, four, five more. I mean, Wisconsin's best-case scenario is a 6-0 and regular season, and then likely finding themselves in the other half of the Big Ten title game. That's at least the favored outcome. I, it would, again, from a Notre Dame fan perspective, it's 
gut-wrenching that that could play out against their favor. I'm actually going to have to root for Bama pretty heavily in that football game. But realistically, and that's why I think the SEC is so fascinating right now. Because they, for whatever reason, do seem to be being hit the hardest by this. Again, more games are canceled than playing. Like, there's really no other way to put it, okay? But if Alabama played Florida, and that was the only other SEC game that happened all season long, I don't think we could complain in terms of the SEC offering us a full season. It won't feel like a full season. Bama's missing a game against Auburn. A&M would be missing a game against Auburn as well. Florida, because of you know the state of LSU, doesn't have any other marquee. Ma- I can't believe how bad LSU is. Like it's completely ruined some of the right. integrity of the SEC. But the integrity I think of everything you- is ruined. Oh, one hundred percent. But I just I think relative to the rest of the conferences, the SEC has actually fulfilled their regular season requirements, which makes this even more interesting because I don't know then how they handle cancellation to make up to there's like cancellation versus postponement. I don't know how Mm -hmm. they navigate those waters because I don't know if they need to be making a lot of this up to solidify their spot in the dance. And then you're going to potentially have a 10 and 0 BYU sitting there being like, what about us? We've shown you on the field. We got more after the news update. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, welcome back in, everybody, and including our radio affiliates from around the country. Big shout out to the Mightier 1090. Thank you for waking up very early with us here on the early line. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh breaking it all down, giving you what you need to hopefully be profitable. But let me tell you something. Right now, the most best advice I can give you, don't bet futures in the college football market. Just don't do it, (laughs) right? Whether it's a conference, whether it's the national championship, we have no effing clue if any team's even going to be eligible to play like three days from now. It's such a moving target, but I digress. We will continue to follow that. We'll bring in our guy Joe Lisi next week, mid-major Matt next week to continue to discuss the changing landscape in college football. This is happening across the board as well, Kev. As we turn our attention to the NFL, right, we know about Big Ben. Baker has been activated. The NFL reported more COVID positive tests, like double their last testing period. So it is happening. But as we turn our attention to week 10, we start with, I guess what I'll deem like the regular injuries, Kev, as we look at, you know, yesterday was the first practice reports for teams, right? They start their practice week. A couple of interesting notes that I will say as we look, not only are some people out but have been put on IR, Preston Williams in Miami, who really seemed to be the favorite target of Tua, not Devontae Parker. It seemed like he was feeding Preston Williams. He is down and out. Remember, he was carted off with a foot injury. They put him 
on IR. I believe the 49ers have put Raheem Mostert on IR as well. Okay, so that San Francisco backfield continues to be a moving target. But I want to ask you, Kev, about some Philadelphia Eagles on the good side of this list. It looks like Miles Sanders will be back for the E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles, but also Alshon Jeffrey, Kev? Do you think Alshon Jeffrey will make his season debut for these Eagles? And if so, what impact could that have? Boy, oh boy, good luck figuring out this wide receiver core. I mean, think about this, right? So there was no, oh my gosh, everybody was gone, right? Because of course, Travis Fulham emerges as, yeah. I mean, since he's popped off Dane, uh, that touchdown he caught against the Niners, one of the five most consistent wide receivers right yeah. now in the league from a production yeah. standpoint. And it's what it is. Like, now we know Deshaun is gone, but back comes Rieger, back comes Goddard in terms of pass catching right. work, and in comes Alshon Jeffrey. I don't know. I mean, the Eagles tried to pour a lot of assets into this wide receiver room when they drafted Rieger. Uh, of course, Thanks when they Goodwin. brought in Marquise Goodwin, like there's a lot of things they tried to do. Deshaun is gone. We don't know when he'll if he'll be back. There's a lot of things that have messed this room up. It's not an elite fantasy herd, but it certainly does seem, you know, herd-esque and I'm even starting to wonder about a guy that you and I um, both equally pumped up a lot in Goddard and how much trust I want to have there because, like, Sanders is going to dominate, but it's not like you either have Sanders on your team or you don't. Right. Um, Like, he he breaks runs. He's great. He's a great running back. But from the pass-catching perspective, I don't know who to trust. Oh, I trust Goddard. I, I trust Goddard for sure. I think, unfortunately, Fulgham, your boy from Old Dominion, is going to get pushed down a little bit in the pecking order, right? You mentioned how well he popped off in this mid part of the season. It's talent and opportunity right? The piece of the pie. And by definition, when some of these guys come back, the pie will shrink some. Now, Fulgham's done enough to earn his role, right? I think he'll be out there. But you tell me, Kev, in two wide receiver sets, with Rager there, with Jeffrey there, with Fulgham there, I'm considering, obviously, Sanders and Goddard on the field, right? As Mm -hmm. well as, you know, targets. But who are the two starting wide receivers in two wide receiver sets? Because I don't think Travis Fulgham is there. If they are active and healthy, isn't it Rieger and Jeffrey? I don't think so. I think it is. No? I think Fulgham's the one I feel most confident about being on the field. So at who's this not point. starting? Alshon Jeffrey is not starting if he's healthy? Probably. Because he's never actually really healthy. They're going to limit his snaps as it is. I, I mean, and the thing about Fulgham is like, so we went back a ways, right? That first Sunday night game. And I I remember he made the Fugazi list. And I didn't push back. I yeah. said, look, I get it. At the end of the day, yeah. who knows what this wrong. group's gonna look like. The opportunity but, no, but I'm not but well, Dane, no one came back. At the end of, only people right. only got and more. I hurt. also did say that yeah, that this is like what's no, no. gonna happen. Like what I expect to happen yeah. now with these people back. Right. Because like remember, said, Deshaun yeah. Jackson was coming back, right? That's what I'm saying. I'm I didn't bring it up to say you were wrong. Then like nobody you. came back, more people left. I bring it up to say, from that moment, he's been Wentz's oh, guy. So, like, when was the last time Wentz threw a football to Alshon Jeffrey? Realistically, right? Like, 2018. that rapport, right? <laughs> Rieger's played 
two games in his NFL career. That rapport. That's why, you know, Goddard is Goddard, and you would like that's to think that. That's why I said that, Goddard. I still trust Goddard, right? Dallas's first game back, not a lot happened. He caught one ball. So Yes, but he's still inching back, and now another week of a bye sure. gets him for better. Sure. Sanders is in the past game as well, right? Yeah. So in the kind of pecking order, I hear you. Um, from the fantasy standpoint, if you have to run him out there, run him out there. But I wouldn't mind taking a week to kind of see what you're talking oh, about. I, is Fulham yeah. still the apple of Carson Wentz's eye, or does he remember Dallas Goddard, right? Or mm-hmm. are they a more run-heavy team than they were when Boston Scott was the lead back? I kind of still want to see how this looks with them. Another team, we're going to have to see how it looks, Kev is the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? Like, Big Ben, okay. He cannot practice for a week. Get on out there, and I'll trust that. We also know, and we know that it's something of a herd now, right? The emergence of guys like Claypool, Deontay Johnson, but Juju didn't practice either. He's nursing a knee injury. Talk to me about the impact there because, like, to your point, Right. Um, When you said with Wentz, when was the last time he threw a ball to Jeffrey or whatever? He certainly, Big Ben, that is, has more experience throwing a ball to Juju than he ever has with a guy like Chase Claypool. That's only been a few weeks. Right. So does not having the security blanket of Juju potentially uh, have an impact here for Pittsburgh? I think we saw something last week that did serve as a reminder. One of the most critical drives in that game was basically a Juju Smith-Schuster drive. Caught three or four balls, had the touchdown, picked up nearly 60 yards on the drive. It shows that uh, maybe that trust, that rapport is still there more than anywhere else uh, in that receiving core. But this is a group. You ask me of the three, who would I like to have on my team? It is Claypool because Juju does seem banged up. Juju seems like the oldest 25-year-old there is yeah, right? in this league, right? <laughs> and Deontay Johnson, I mean, I genuinely don't know how anybody plays this guy because he is – so you know how I write the Chargers-Falcons point, there's no more bad beats? Right, right, you put right. Deontay Johnson in a lineup and he leaves the game injured, right? You can't be like, ah, no. It's the same thing with Deshaun, right? You put Deshaun on a team, he leaves the game hurt, you can't – like, that's what he does, Deontay's at that point now, so Juju leaves and doesn't practice. I think he could still play because, again, I feel like they're treating him like a 12-year veteran. Like, Larry Fitz puts more reps up than this guy. But ultimately, Claypool, to me, is pretty comfortably the guy I trust the most in this pass game. All right, fair enough. We do have three running backs. It is, yes. Yes, that's why they're a herd to me. Uh, also, I think that's the other element. When you say if you trust them, you can't trust them. With Dio, it's the the injury stuff. But everybody was on Claypool, remember, after his four-touchdown performance? And then the next mm-hmm. week, Deontay Johnson led them. That is pretty much the, the definition of a herd. And then yeah. you said it was the juju drive, right? James Washington still out there. Eric Ebron scoring touchdowns. James Conner, one of the more consistent backs in the AFC. Mm-hmm. That's a fantasy herd, people. And that's part of why mm-hmm. Pittsburgh is still undefeated because your fantasy team doesn't know, defensive coordinators don't know either. There are three running backs working their way back that I do want to mention here, Kev. Kenyon Drake in Arizona. Everyone's been big on Chase Edmonds, that dynamic offense. If he is back, that becomes, remember, he was the 1A. We'll see if Kenyon Drake can get back at it. Joe Mixon may be coming back for the Cincinnati Bengals off by. Giovanni Bernard has been good with Mixon. I have a little call 
pause for pause because they are facing that Pittsburgh Steelers run defense this week. So don't expect, in my opinion, Mixon to get out there right away. Breida is interesting to me, Kev. Breida is interesting to me because after Gaskin went down, we all thought Breida was going to start to become this lead dog. Miami was going at it with Ahmed and Laird and Howard. I believe that if Breida is back up, he is the best running back Miami has, and he could be productive for the Dolphins in short order. What do you think about these three backs? Yeah, so I think they're all really, really interesting. Breida should be the top guy. I mean, Howard literally is just there to score touchdowns, but he it makes right. him one of my favorite guys in the league because he just scores one-yard touchdowns, and he's the best for but it. But Breida should take so that's the thing. kind of role, right? And be You, you should know this, though, with Breida. The touchdowns are far from a guarantee, okay? Oh, absolutely. It took a Jordan lot. Howard will get the touchdowns. Yeah, it took a lot for Gaskin to take that role from Howard, and it basically took Howard being inactive to take that role. Yes. From Howard. As far as Mixon goes, there's something to be said about this Steelers run defense that was impenetrable, that has now been gashed by Dobbins, and Tony Pollard had his way with him. Zeke actually, I feel like, looked the best he's looked in a while against that run defense. I don't know. Maybe something's cracking there. The I think for me, though, is also when you add Mixon and Cincy, like they throw the ball. Like Burrow leads the NFL in attempts. Oh, right. Like they want to throw the ball. And yeah. game script I also might not think be in favor either. The game script's tough to figure out in a way, though, because if Big Ben doesn't play, it's That's tough fair. to figure out. That's fair. A lot up in the Kenyon, though, to me, one, one of these rare instances where a guy gets a boost while not playing. Chase Edmonds was supposed to be the guy, the sexy piece. Yeah. 25 carries, yeah. 70 yards, hit the bricks. You're not a real running back. For, like I mean, it's a one-game sample size, but that's a huge boost for Kenyon Drake. When you consider, like, the last time we saw him was ripping the Cowboys apart. It's the Cowboys yeah. fine. I think Kenyon comes right back into RB1 role. No, I'm on with that you. Team, I think you run RB1. him right back out there as RB1 on your team as well. Week 10 kicks off tonight. We'll talk about it after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line. Dane and Kevin putting the fun in functional sports content. And, Kev, Week 10 kicks off tonight with what I believe is a very interesting game, Kev. When we look at the playoff picture, I remember always telling you this AFC South. Remember, they were tied going into last week. And then, you know, the Titans uh, get a win. The Colts do not. And that is the one-game margin in the AFC South. Kev, this game has flipped. The Titans were favored in this game. Now they are one-point home dogs on Thursday night football. And I got to tell you the truth, I'm not so sure why. (laughs) Good, good, great. Because neither am I. This makes no sense. This makes no sense. What have we seen from the Indianapolis Colts to make this team road favorites? Against the Titans. Because here's the reality, right? What's the Colts' best win on the year? With some distance, that game against the Bears, where 
The final score was 19-11. Garbage time touchdown plus a two-point conversion made it closer than it appeared. That's exactly what the Titans just did last week. The score was 17-0, and then the Bears had some garbage time and made that closer than it appeared. That was the best the Titans' defenses looked, and I can give you actual reasons as to why that defense maybe is turning the corner. This is a team with a 4-1 and home record. Its only loss is the unbeaten Steelers. In a game that if Goskowski makes a field goal, they might win in overtime. What are we doing here? Like, I've looked into this, okay, clearly. Big money, sharp money, anything you list is on the Colts. But why? I've made this point countless times on this show. When you see odd lines like this, pause, okay? Take a second. But I am never going to be the guy that goes, ah, this is what the market says. Blind bet. I won't do it. Sharp betters don't just all text one another in a group chat, pick a side, and then just win. There's a reason they like the cults, and I can't come up with it. Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you. Like, I think the Colts are still a fine team. I mean, they are five and three, but on the road on Thursday night football with the short week, another thing, Tennessee is a good squad. I think Tennessee at home, you mentioned they're four and one. Tennessee also, remember, their defense has been an issue, right? They traded for Desmond King, who, by the way, scored a touchdown in his debut with the Titans last week. They get a Dory yeah. Jackson back from injured reserve. That's their two now starting cornerbacks, right? And and we know the way this team is built. Uh, you know, they're getting back healthy with A.J. Brown and Corey Davis and John U. Smith has been a revelation. I'm not so sure either. It seems like we're on the same side of this one. I would also, I'm not going to take the point. I would take Tennessee to win outright. It is minus 102. Any thoughts on the total here? The Colts are one of the top defenses in football. Maybe that's the end. Before, I, I also want to, yeah they, yeah, they are, but like, they, they just lost to Baltimore last week, only scoring 10 points, right? I mean, is the expectation that this Titans offense is all of a sudden not going to be able to move the ball? I mean, Dane, 48 and a half. Does that not yeah. favor the Titans? I mean, realistically? Is that not a little high scoring for a game that the Colts yeah, are supposed you to think win? The correlation, right, is if this becomes a kind of divisional punch you in the mouth physical game, I think that is what the Colts want. Right, Kev? Yeah. Right? That's the way the Colts would want to play this game on a Thursday night, a sloppy affair, right? And that would trend to the under. I think you're right. The Titans are going to want to score 28 to 34 points, show that their offense is there even against these Colts, and that would profile to the over. I, I am with you in terms of how these correlate. I, this this smells fishy to me, Kev. It really does. And and that's the thing. So you try to talk through this to get to the end result where yeah. you're either saying, I don't care, or you step back. Even think about this now, as the Titans have now flipped to put them in what has been probably the most profitable category a team can be. Home, divisional, dog. It's basically yep. an ATM on the season. I believe it's 12-2 and two against the number. Home, home divisional dogs, dogs. I know, not even divisional. Home dogs are at 59% uh, so yeah. far this year. It was 55% and then went 4-1 and one last week. Ironically, the Indianapolis Colts were the only home dog that did not get the job done last week. So I'm with you on the trend as well. 
So again, we've we've got a trend. We think they're the better team. Dane, I I found one person's write up who said they liked the Colts, and it was Philip Rivers is at his best when he's not pressured, and the Titans have struggled to get pressure. Again, with okay. better guys in coverage, I think they can get some more pressure. The right. other reason was that, and I couldn't believe, was that they are they've won nineteen of the last twenty three matchups. The Colts with. The, with Jacoby Brissett and Curtis Painter as the quarterback in the four losses. I'm sorry, that does not matter. That does not okay. matter. Andrew Luck and Peyton Manning are not under center. The Titans yeah, are matter. a significantly better team than they've been forever. I don't give a damn about that. Right. And here's my reason I bring that up. The person who made that write-up is knows what they're doing. Respected, okay? Like, Fine. has earned his spot in the industry. And that's what they have to lean on to make this cult right. pick. It's like that's what they're hanging their hat on. That doesn't you... compel me either, Kev. Yeah. I think we're on the same side of this one. I want to ask you two more things about this game. One, you do this all the time, Kev. You yeah. have also highlighted for us that this is the first of two matchups between these teams, I believe in the next yeah. three weeks, right? Mm-hmm. So let me ask you then about the AFC South market which right now has the titans as minus 190 favorites and then the colts as the second choice as plus 155 you and me i think we agree we like tennessee in this game but for those colts backers out there whether it's the guy with the write-up or others right this is a one game lead in this division indy is plus 155 if you believe you like indy why lay a point on the road would you be okay playing it forward with the plus yeah. 155, because if they get this win, they'd so, have the head-to-head win. They'd be tied in the division. I know they renew the rivalry in a mere two weeks, though. But, but again, if you like the Colts, it's not that you shouldn't not take them tonight. Take them tonight, but you have to take some South futures here. Here's why. First of all, they win tonight. They go to first place. Same record. Would be in first all place. of a sudden, Colts with, with the, the head-to-head head win. Yep. This game and is in Tennessee. The game, that's what I was saying. The second game is back in Indy. Yeah. Like... This spread is, is I'm like, they're going to show up tonight at Lucas Oil. Like, I'm convinced. Like, and that's going to be the thing that we all missed, is that the schedule misprinted where the game was, but the books knew. I mean, this doesn't make any sense. Dane, if they are one-point favorites on the road, then when we get to Indianapolis, they're going to be laying close to a touchdown. Yeah. No, they're not. Right. Unless unless the game in between looks really dramatic, right? If the Packers dump truck them or something like that. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. I don't think this is a right line. And look, the Titans are playing the Ravens in the game in between. Like, I love that. One of my favorite schedule things is how tough the games are in between. That is the the two out of three. It's a great schedule spot. But, like, why would the Titans be minus 195? Again, the book can assume outcomes. The Titans are dogs tonight. They'd be dogs in two weeks. They're going to be dogs against the Ravens. Like they're favored to lose these games. They yeah. just are. If I'm not mistaken, the Colts are going to be playing host, correct, to the Packers. They are. So. Are the Titans playing so. host to the Ravens? I don't think so. I'm going to double check mm. right now. No, so they're not. They're selling the Titans short here. But you know, or. Then this plus one fifty five number is completely manic because the Titans are about to lose three games in a row based on right. what the numbers are telling us, and the Colts are going to at the minimum rip off 
a two and one stretch, if not three and zero, oh, hosting the Packers. Does anybody believe this is going to happen? By the way, no. Mm-hmm. I, Dane, I'm, I cannot tell you how many times I've done this. Okay, I stare at a line. I know it's garbage, and I figure it out. Okay. Now, and I don't sometimes love the answer. At the end of the day, what's the game I've been bothering you about now since Minnesota, Monday morning? Minnesota-Chicago, okay? and you don't like the answer on that one either, right? But I understand it. I okay. get it. The Vikings okay. should have a better record. Nobody believes in the Bears. Everybody thinks that they are fugazi. They can't score. Lately. <laughs> one of the worst offenses in football. Yeah, the Vikings yeah, yeah. have won two straight off the bye. Yeah. This team was supposed to be in the playoffs. I don't like the answer. I can figure the answer out. I Again, somebody tried to tell me that Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck's results matter in tonight's handicap of this game. Are you crazy? Like, Sometimes it those stats all the way back just don't matter at all, Kev. It doesn't matter. Kev, you don't like that part of this game and the opportunities right. in the sports betting market. Boy, do I have an opportunity for you. Talk to me. Uh, not in the game market, but in the prop market. People, mm. as you know, Kevin and I have been doing this show together for, I don't know, seven, eight months so far. We put the fun in functional sports content. There are times when I can tell you to just watch Kevin's face. This is one of those times. Kev, all I'm going to do is put out for you two prop bets that I see in this one. I ain't going to say a damn thing. And then watch. You're going to talk for the next three minutes in a row until we go to break. Boy. You're ready for this, Kev? Oh, yeah. boy. Are you ready for this? Um, Jonathan Taylor's rushing yards prop today hmm. is 42 and a half. Yeah. Jordan Wilkins' rushing prop tonight is 34 and a half. Kevin, go ahead. I mean, let's be honest here. Jonathan Taylor's terrible. He's not the lead running back on this football team. We saw it against the Lions. They don't like this guy. What did we do, right? We then gave him another shot against the the Ravens. He scored a touchdown, and then he gave it right back. And once again, out-carried and out-yard. Give me the matchup bet here at plus money. What are we doing? (laughs) Jonathan Taylor is not the lead back on this team. He's not. Like, it was Evident against the Lions, right? I was told I was wrong, not by you, by others, okay, that I was overreacting to a one-game sample size. And then they gave him the touchdown, and they went, oh, maybe I was wrong. And then he fumbled because he stinks. And what happened? It was Jordan Wilkins from there on out. I I mean, this is not that hard. Like, Jonathan Taylor isn't the lead running back on this team. I prefer this is the thing. Forty two and a half is is such a low number that I'll probably just leave that to the side. Although I mean again, but you play the Wilkins way, over, right? You play the Can Wilkins we just over? like Jonathan Taylor last week, six of twenty seven, ultimately I think gets benched for fumbling the football. The week before right. that was eleven for twenty two. He's missed this number by fifteen and twenty yards respectively in his two games. He's not rushed for thirty yards yet. Wilkins, on the other hand, has gone over his number in that two games off of the bye. I mean, what are we, like, I mean, it is funny because, like, exactly what you said was going to happen is happening right now. Do I right know now. my man the candle burner but, like, or what? <laughs> what are we doing here, Dave? Again, what is this game? What's happening? Are they making fun of me? Is, like, is everybody po- Also, why is Naomi Hines plus 290 to score? 
Okay, and Taylor's because he scored twice last week, you know, and he may be the most consistent option there for the Indianapolis Colts. If you think about their running back room, I do think it's interesting. The part that I mentioned, even when you were talking about this Wilkins and Taylor thing, is it happened right after the bye. And that's what makes me think that the Colts coaching staff themselves were trying to find this real quick. I told you about these running backs. What about Derrick Henry? Error 83 and a half is his prop bet. The Colts run defense is stout, Kev. Are you comfortable with yeah. King Henry going over the money uh, number real quick? Probably. I mean, it's so tough when a team plays the Ravens because there's 45 different people running the football. But They've you take it through Steelers, the Ravens, and now Colts. I mean, eh. Yeah. I like Derek, though. He probably has a big night. Fair enough. We wrap up after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line, giving you the edge. You know, we'll see what happens here as week 10 kicks off. I'm with you. I think the Titans are a better team. I'm with you. Interesting prop bets there in the running back room. But uh, one final (laughs) note here, Kev. Uh, Can I just say very quickly that the line has moved since we hit the break, and there's more people betting the Colts. It's now minus 116 money line, and it's down to minus 102 Titans. This This is going to close it like minus two. Just a well, stupid game. Then that's more value, hopefully, for the side that we like. Maybe we can still take Tennessee at plus money then on the money line. But I do want to, uh, here at the early line, tip our cap and congratulate the newly minted Cy Young Award winners in Major League Baseball, Kev. I mean, in the American League, it's Shane Bieber. We knew this going in. He was utterly dominant for the Cleveland Indians. To be quite honest, I was a little bit surprised that he wasn't one of the three finalists for the MVP award in the American Mm -hmm. League that will be announced today. His teammate, Jose Ramirez, is one of the three finalists. And then, Kevin, the National League, Trevor Bauer gets a Cy Young for the Cincinnati Reds, a 1.73 ERA. We talked about these ridiculous kinds of stats that could happen for a pitcher this year in the condensed season. Kev, how much money did Trevor Bauer Hmm. make himself adding the Cy Young to his resume as he hits free agency? I mean, you got to think a ton. I watched him uh, on MLB Network after found out he won the award, and now Lidar asked him, what was the difference? He goes, yeah, before you had a six-plus ERA. He came out this mm. year under two. You know, we get it to shorten season. And he basically said that he had a completely messed up ankle that to overcompensate threw off wow. his mechanics. And he goes, it's as simple as I was healthy this go-around. So... Mm. If you're a he also team got out there and you season last year, which is always an yeah, adjustment, right? But like realistically, if it's just it was a matter of health, and because his form was a lot closer, you know, to being this level of pitcher pre that six ERA yes. season. But one thing is, and we probably haven't talked about this enough, is that Bauer has grand ideas of signing one year deals every season and just yeah. re upping and making more money. That's a mess. And I don't know how many franchises are going to go for that. 
I know a new billionaire in New York who might be down to make a splash. We shall see. And I saw also a picture of Bauer wearing a lot of different hats. It was a, a Reds hat, a Bo Sox hat, but on the bottom, a Mets hat. The MVPs are announced today, and the morning after is up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.